When I decided to open a second location, the Brentwood Country Mart was the only place on earth I wanted to be. I'm Laura Vinrootpool from Capital, and this is what we wore, the Brentwood Country Mart edition. John Evans is the co-owner of Diesel, a bookstore with his wife, Allison. In an industry that seems to be working against them, they've created an independent bookselling legacy for over 30 years in California. You'll learn how, as John says, bookselling may not always be a good living, but it's a good life. John, thank you so much for sitting down with me for our Brentwood Country Mart mini-series. And I want to hear more about you and where you're from and how Diesel Bookstore life started. <laughs> where are you from? So I was born in sort of mining country in Pennsylvania. But by the time I was three, moved to Kansas and lived there for the wonder years, like seven years. Yeah. Of- three to 10, and then Massachusetts for a year, then Delaware, and then moved out to California after college in the early 80s. And always wanted to be here? I mean, was that always a dream? Actually, no. I didn't think about California at all growing up at all. And then people started saying, you should be in California, and I had no idea what that meant. (laughs) Oh, they said it to me too. I'm like, what 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 exactly does that mean? (laughs) I think it actually may mean something to do with being like artistically oriented or something. I don't know. Yeah, or flaky. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it could be flaky. Thanks. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but uh, so I came out here. I was a geography major, so I like to travel all the time. So I traveled out here to California and did love it. Yeah. And I did need to go from Delaware for whatever reasons, nothing legal or anything. It's just <laughs> had to go. Well, I'm glad you knew how to get here with your geography yeah, degree. Yeah, it really helped. Yeah. <laughs> and tell me about books. Were they always a big part of your life? Yeah, they were a big part of our family's life. My mother especially had read through her town library when she was a child, child and adult books. So that was part of it. But actually, I had an epiphany in uh, in Boston. I think it was Brookline Booksmith. And I was there maybe 13 or 14 years old. My brother was in school there. I was just sitting there looking through the books, and I heard the conversations at the cash register. And they also sold music. And so here you have people just dressed regularly, and uh, they... We're talking about every possible subject and listening to whatever music they wanted and surrounded by all these books. And I thought, this is a great job. This is heaven. Yeah. I thought I wanted to be you know, an astronomer or an archaeologist because I'm always a polar opposites. But this was the first job I actually thought, this is actually a good job. So you, so you studied geography in college. How did you get to that? I started in biology. And then I realized it was humans I was interested in. And <laughs> then I went to psychology. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but they had very restricted and it was very uh, science oriented. I realized I wasn't really, I was more culturally oriented. So I went over to geography for cultural geography, actually. So that's what I studied. So I could take art history classes and philosophy classes and English classes. So. And what's the end game with a geography degree other than Do earning you mean a bookstore? In practical world, yes, real world, yeah. you end up being a bookseller. Right. <laughs> That's at least that's my experience. Yeah. <laughs> so was this when you met your wife, Allison? I, Allison, I met in uh, in Berkeley in a bookstore that I was working at. She came in on the front of a bicycle, not not the seat of the bicycle, the front of the bicycle, like sitting on the handlebars. Yes. Okay. And came literally into the store and ran into the counter, and then <laughs> she was roommates with a. a one of the people that I was working with and she was going out for a date and she wanted to know what he thought of her makeup. 
<laughs> did this seem good for a date? And he said, I don't know. Let's ask John. And I said, well, we've seen it. <laughs> so it was very charming, right? Yes. <laughs> she said, who, who cares what you think? I love it. Um, feel free to any, edit any of that out. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> did, um, and did she love books the way you did? Yes. Yeah, she was known as the the young girl that reads all the time because she would read in public, you know, at bus stops and stuff in Glasgow. She grew up in Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, wow. Yeah. And did you know early on that y'all wanted to open a business together? I think she knew before I knew that she wanted to open a bookstore. You know, one of the reasons people open businesses is because they don't like the way other people are doing the businesses. Completely. That's a very common yeah. thing, right? And it can be just a subtle thing or it oh. can be a total cuisine or it can be a style. And so I worked in these bookstores and then there were certain things I didn't like and she didn't like and she'd worked in other bookstores. And so it kind of evolved that way. But I went away and, and got a master's in poetics. Oh, and, wow. and you may wonder, like with a poetics degree, what's the end game? It, <laughs> it's, it's book selling. <laughs> I love it. And so, and so where did y'all open your first bookstore? Tell me about that. Yeah. So we went to Portugal in 1985. This is really a long tale. It's more like an epic tale. I can't wait. 1985, we went to Portugal. She took a six-month sabbatical from work, which is very nice. And I was in graduate school and took a couple months, I guess, and uh, three months. And while we were there, we were trying to think, okay, what's next? What do we want to do? And we thought, open a and b in Portugal, which is not a bad idea. No. Still, um, still a good idea. Or it is. <laughs> or open a bookstore. And we decided on the bookstore. And then, um, so I guess that was 85, 89 is when we actually opened it. But that's when we decided that was the direction we were going in. And tell me about Emeryville. What kind of town is that? So oh, Emeryville at the time was a kind of corrupt little uh, Raymond Chandler-esque <laughs> town where the mayor would fight the police commissioner for <laughs> greater fraud. Uh -huh. And uh, so it was kind of falling apart. And it was an old industrial town. Um, that had like Ryerson steel and rebar factories and stuff. But it also had the artists from San Francisco had moved over to Emeryville for the warehouses that were closing down and right. sort of post-industrial. And they were starting to develop the empty properties there. And and uh, they built this public market and wanted a bookstore there. And we wanted to be out of Berkeley and Oakland, which had plenty of bookstores, and yeah. go into Emeryville, which had interesting people living there. And so we went there for five years. And was it successful from the beginning? In a way, it was successful. It was hampered by that the corruption was not only apparently in the city government, but also with the real estate developer <laughs> there. And so a lot of the things had been sort of, there was a little fraud involved and things like that. So <laughs> the project tumbled while we were doing fine and people liked the bookstore. Yeah. So then friends of ours who own Market Hall, if you know what that is, up in in uh, Oakland, Jim has referred to it as a kind of an inspiration for his. Yeah. They came and said, if if we bought this building, would you put your bookstore in? So I guess we'd made a big enough mark that people would want us to right. be in their building. So Was it called Diesel? Yeah. It was. And <laughs> how, and, and let me ask you, just because I do clothing and I think clothing stores, certainly it's about the service, but it's um, more than that about the edit. Is that the same in, in book world? I mean, is it, did people love you because of the way you ran the store, but also because of your edit of the books, yeah. your taste level, yeah. your advice? Yes. Part of it is that we wanted it to be very light and sophisticated, sort of cosmopolitan, but um, very accessible at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Democratic, as Jim calls it. 
we like the idea that somebody would look for a romance, like there are secretaries above us, you know, office buildings above us, <laughs> that somebody would come in for a Judith Krantz romance <laughs> and then buy a Julia Kristeva, like critical theory book, and they'd be next to each other. Right. So this sort of juxtaposition of high and low, but the depth of the inventory, you know, the curation, as they say, or edit, mm -hmm. made a big difference for people. They yeah. were surprised to see what they saw. Right? Yeah. And uh, the quality of what they saw. Were you always there on the on the floor on on the shop floor from the beginning? Usually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you like working with clients. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we're I I realized that over the years, some bookstores are sort of uh, publisher focused or author focused, and some are reader focused, and we're completely reader focused. Yeah, you are. Our first Yelp review was pathologically friendly, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought pathologically. But it is rare. I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> what What was the hardest part about the early years of book selling? You know, the this hard is late eighties, I guess. You uh, said. Yeah, eighty nine. Yeah. yeah. Well, the hardest part was, which unfortunately we have a tendency to do. Uh, the hardest part was three months after opening uh, the earthquake, oh. so it wiped out one of the major freeways, and you know, it was. Oh wow! I did so not think you were going to say that. A massive thing to deal with. And then the second one was that the company that was running where we were had gone bankrupt. So our landlord had gone bankrupt, basically, which causes a certain amount of yeah. problems. Right. Yeah. It was never on the customer's side, you know, but, uh -huh. but it, it really did feel that after a year or so of those two things that we probably wouldn't make it. And I went to, uh, I was picking up a sandwich at Betty's Ocean View Diner in Berkeley after about a year. And there's a woman who had her own business. It was a fashion business. It's Outback, it's called, in Berkeley. Uh -huh. And uh, she has like international style fabrics from all over the world kind of thing. And uh, I said, you know, I think this is, this is just going to total, totally fail, this whole project. And she said, that store is so beautiful and you've created it. It's not a failure. Whether it succeeds or not is not a testament to whether it was a success or not. You know, like... If it succeeds as a business, that's up to so many other factors. Yeah. But did you succeed in creating the kind of bookstore you wanted to create? Yes. Right. But it did change my mind a lot. There was this feeling, this heavy feeling, right? And then I was like, well, we'll just do it again. You know, it's like, if it doesn't work here, we'll do it somewhere else. Right. That it, it wasn't about the concept it or the way you did yeah. it. It was about that maybe it needed to be one block over or- Yeah. Or not in yeah. an earthquake zone or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and so and so your next location was- uh, Safer. And was where? <laughs> was no, Malibu? No, it was no. Oakland, actually. We moved five Oakland. years okay. later to Oakland. And then, um, and that was great. And it was where I had started as a bookseller. And it it was wonderful in every And what's way. that community like? Smart. So it was originally, yeah, very smart. It's yeah. close to UC and also to California College of the Arts, uh, which used to be CCAC, California College of Arts and Crafts. And it's, you know, upper middle class, a lot of commuters to San Francisco. It's North Oakland. So a very mixed community was Italian, then Portuguese mm -hmm. um, immigrants originally, but mm -hmm. now had become more students, faculty, and people working over in San Francisco. And did that change your edit of books? I mean, you know, it didn't change the edit a whole lot. I have to say, there were certain kinds of things that we could sell easier, and that only continued to be the case. Like art books, uh, fashion books, interior design—all yeah. of those require 
higher incomes, right? So the more affluent the neighborhood, the more they can afford those. Coffee table books. Yeah. So when we opened in Brentwood, for example, and we said how many art books and that, because we were always very tilted towards art, the the manager in Oakland said, if you count the amount of times people pick up the book, we will have sold as many as you. (laughs) Because people were just as interested, but couldn't afford. Right. right? Oh, how interesting. Yeah. But in Brentwood, that's not the case. And after Oakland was- Malibu uh, in 2004. And what was that like? So that was fantastic. I mean, Malibu at that time was still had, which I don't think it really does now have, uh, the funky feeling, the everybody's out to play feeling. Yeah. Um, everybody's very relaxed and uh, very sophisticated people and also very artistic, right? Because mm-hmm. Malibu used to be the sort of like a artist colony, right? Yeah, For, absolutely. Um, so it's people that avoided the Beverly Hills, Hollywood, you know, and they went out to the beautiful beaches and had fun. Were the stores always the same size-ish? Ish, yeah. yeah. They were between 1,800 and 3,300 square feet. Yeah. And is that a sweet spot for you? Like, I mean, do you think that-, that It's they... kind of a sweet spot for book selling, um, up to 5,000 square feet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then it gets tricky. For us, it was a sweet spot. Yeah. I guess you had worked in stores. Like, how did you even know how to order books or how many you needed to sell or any of those? It's a perpetual learning, <laughs> as you may know. Yeah, so, I have heard that, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, um, well, I had managed those stores. There were three stores. So I had managed those before I went to graduate school. Allison had managed stores. And uh, then she opened a store for the people that we both worked for. Right. Um, so she actually went through the whole like hiring contractors right. and and she loves that that she's really more like an architect mm. and she's also a bookkeeper type of person um, as well as a bookseller and I'm more of a poet and a bookseller and a cultural geographer one of the things that has been surprising to me was how you know this started as say a love for clothes and for helping people and then it became really a job not a job but a a a big part of my work is managing people and managing the teams that right. I work with and i can imagine i mean all down the coast of california having these stores i mean what has that been like has that you've had to learn a completely new skill set all independent bookstores tend to have very similar bestseller lists mm. so a lot of the difference is in not the top things that sell but the range of things that you have further down Interesting. So then that has to do with what your philosophy is and then whether people find that philosophy um, attractive or not, right? Mm -hmm. So some stores are sort of uh, carriage trade stores where you tell customers what they should read, right? Right. And then you can really totally control your inventory. And we kind of aren't that way. Uh We're more like keep the books available that people may be needing for X range of purposes, right? People come in every day. It's a, it's a very strange kind of retail. Yeah. Because people are coming in having just lost a baby. They they're coming in uh, grieving loss of a parent. They're coming in right. wanting to go back to school but unsure what school to go to. They're coming in just to escape huh. everything, you know. Um and it's one person after another, you know, just second yeah. by second. And so you want what Allison describes it cuz she's much more plain spoken than I am. Um, I kind of talk for a while. I don't know if you've noticed this. But, <laughs> so she she says, uh, when people ask, what kind of books do you have? She says, good writing. <laughs> right? Yeah. So if people respond to that, and a lot of people respond to it almost uh, subliminally, you know, they notice 
even if they're if they're coming in just for a very escapist beach read, they pick up that. But there's so many other things here, and that feels good. It's like you can trust these people when I come back for the more serious thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's all being absorbed at once, and also that there's no snobbishness because there's snobbishness yeah. in the book business for sure um, historically, mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't, never liked that. So. Well, I do. I think it's similar to what we do also in that, I mean, I've been doing it 25 years and I always told my sales team, like, you know, wh- what you're selling to someone in the dressing room should not be about what you want to sell today. It should be about how do you talk to a person if you want them to be your client for 25 years? Yeah. If you want, if you're, if you want to dress them for their high, their high school graduation and their wedding and right. their child's baptism and a funeral, you know, and serve them all through their lives, you know, how do you, what are the choices that you make and, and, and advising them, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think it sounds really similar to what you oh, do. Oh, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, serve is the key, right? Yeah. So no matter who they are and, and they are coming for so many different things from so many different directions in the bookstore. Um, but all you're really trying to do is figure out who they are, who they are as a particular person. So for me, it's all about the particular person, not demographics or, right. you know, because it, it doesn't really tell you anything when it comes down to reading, right? And are you a voracious reader? And do I, you have to be? Do you have to be? I don't, I think you have to be an empathic person yeah. who's intelligent and in, engaged in, with the culture and human beings, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I even put it in our ads when we're hiring, no misanthropes. Right. You have to love people. If you don't love people, you shouldn't really be in retail as no. far as I'm concerned. My but, God, no. But definitely not in a bookstore because you have to know people too well, right? If you don't want to know people, you're in the wrong business. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a store also, a bookstore also in San Diego now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so where do you sleep? <laughs> where do you rest sleep your head, o- John? Sleep is overrated. Yeah. <laughs> I sleep in the car when I open. <laughs> um. We live up here, Pacific Palisades, and down there mm-hmm. in uh, Lucadia, uh, Encinitas. Okay. Yeah. So we go back and forth. And, and we uh, did the same thing with Oakland for 15 years, which when I told Allison that, she was, 15 years? I feel so tired now. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. When you look it's back too, at it, you're that's like, That's too really? much. Yeah. But how do you do it when you're going mm-hmm. back and um, forth? I, lo- I love it. I mean, I love, I'm here every month or so, month and a half, and- I get off the plane. I get so excited. It's, yeah. it's so different. And and it is a lot of the same. I love being able to sell different things here than I can in right. North Carolina. I love the possibilities of that and, yeah. and meeting new people. And I, I love people. I really yeah. do. I love meeting them. I like helping to you know, fix their problems or, you know, their fashion problems, but a lot of times they're life problems too. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. And I love, I also, I don't think I could do this if it weren't about an actual relationship and, and knowing people for a long time. Yeah. And so there's this kind of conflict of being kind of a neighborhood bookstore. Yeah. And being in two different neighborhoods, right? Because then right, you right. Aren't, aren't planted in the same <laughs> way, but you still develop those same relationships, which is good. Yeah. It's just nice to see a bookstore like ours. I'm a little bit of an evangelist for bookstores, independent bookstores, and for ours in particular, of course, but but for ones like ours. So Another place having one is exciting to me. Well, and talk to me a little bit about, I don't even know what the year would be when 
the mega stores happened and, and independent bookstores. So that was were... another great choice of ours that we opened in 89, right when Borders and Barnes & Noble decided to <laughs> battle each other. Right. Like Godzilla and Mothra <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There was that. And then there was Amazon. <laughs> that That's another one. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, how do you, how have you gotten through that? And do you think people get it? Do you think people understand? Some people do, some people don't, right? For your business, you only need so many people, but you need those people. Yeah. But you only need so many people to get what you do. Mm -hmm. um, you always want that to be more people, but as long as some people get it, right, they will come to you, right? And as long as you take care of them, I think. Yeah. You have to do your best at doing that. When you do, people appreciate it. And so we have incredible loyalty that way. And then over time, I mean, it was obvious to me at the beginning of Amazon what was wrong with it because I'm in that business. So the idea that you lure the educated who have disposable income by offering up books as the lost leader and then selling everything else in the world, which is what the ambition is, right, is smart, right? It's tragic in that it's using cultural products to do that, right. but it's, uh, from a business point of view, it's clever. But it, it's not um, good for the readers in the long term, like and for publishers. But but the economics worked for publishers to give in, and then after a while, they couldn't help but give in, mm -hmm. which is Amazon's story, right? So some people saw that, especially in the Bay Area, right? They would have an attitude against that. They saw that and acted accordingly. And then down here, the new is is highly highly revered but so is the old like book, mm -hmm. books have a a greater respect oddly in LA i think yeah than in the bay area where you think of it as a very cultured and bookish place there's there's a a reliance on it for entertainment industry mm -hmm. for business yeah. for storytelling yeah. which is really what it is surviving through that has to do with doing what you do with such excellence people would rather come there right and there's so many reasons that you'd rather go to a real place and have these relationships yeah. um but you can take these things for granted and not notice it until they're gone right was there ever a moment where you, when you thought you wouldn't make it or that you wouldn't be able to that first year and periodically throughout that i mean it's never been it's an it's a very marginal business books yeah yeah they, it's always been a financial pressure in that way. It's more like writing where you, uh, if somebody says, I, I'm thinking of being a writer, only if you have to. Right? <laughs> so, and we had to, and that's fine. Yeah. And uh, again, Allison with the plain speech says, uh, it's not a good living, it's a good life. <laughs> I love that. Right? So true. That's good. Oh, I love that. Good life is a good thing. Yeah. Huh. Do you and Allison talk about books? Yeah. You do? And I used to read to her when we went to Oakland. We'd drive. She can't read in the car, so I'd read out loud. I read out loud to my husband. He loves it so much. We do it in the car. Yeah. It's great. It's so, and it, you, you forget how much you love that as a little person. I mean, that was my favorite thing in my whole life, my parents reading to me at night. Yeah. She doesn't like to read to me because she has the Scottish accent. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I mean, like, come oh, on. come on. <laughs> she recently was re reading to me from the David Milch uh autobiography and it was just fantastic to listen to her read do you have favorite books favorite authors y yes is there is there are there sections like are, are they do you have like parts your little special part in every store that you really curate that nobody really knows that it's your thing yeah well they do <laughs> they do know it's my thing 
And what is it? It's funny. If, if Allison was sitting here, I was just thinking that if Allison was sitting here, she would be like, hey, what business is it of yours what I read? Because that's the way she is. Like, <laughs> How can you be a bookseller and not be talking about the books you read? Well, that's my business. It's like, <laughs> so she's always recommending what her coworkers- Yeah. She doesn't. It's so funny. Poetry, obviously, is just huge for me. Yeah. Like poetry, spirituality, uh, philosophy and critical theory, you know, political stuff, uh -huh. and then some fiction, some science fiction. I mean, it's all over the place, but poetry is is where my heart is. And then also in the art side. So it's all, it's like art history and poetry are the ones that I care the most about. Mm -hmm. And so we've always had a big poetry section and always sold it well, better than science fiction, which is unlike most bookstores. How do you hire? Do you hire people? You have or to love people. You yeah. can't be a misanthrope. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it had people. I mean, do you, do you, like, I would be so intimidated to interview with you. <laughs> yeah. Tell yeah. me about, like, how did you, what kind of questions oh, yeah. do you ask? Well, part of the joy of interviewing people is really grilling them to, no, no, it's not. No. You know, it's getting a sense as to who they are and why they would work there. I mean, you, sadly, you sort out a lot of people by that the income is so bad. Right, you have to really, really want to do it. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I don't know. Interviewing is really difficult, don't you find? I do, but um, I think I, I, I'm an art major, so I have zero experience. I I came into this not knowing what I was doing. So, not that I think with a business degree they would have taught you how to interview people, but I did when I started. I would, uh, I would, I probably would Google like how what are good interview questions, or I probably got a book that said you know how to interview someone, and then really early on, actually, several years into it. I was like, I'm just, I'm not asking questions. I'm just going to have a conversation. Yeah. If, I, if it's a person I want to continue to talk to and I'm curious about knowing about, you know, how they got to this point, what they're doing, what they want to do. Um, those are the people I want to work with. Yeah. I feel the same way. And so, I mean, I would hire you right now. <laughs> we have, we, <laughs> we have. Oh, good. Well, you also, you haven't asked me about any books. So that's, that's okay. Good. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think in your business, especially, I do think you have to really not be intimidating. You have to care for the client. You have to be generous with them, listen to them, um, want to help them. Yeah. And that is a specific person. It's not it a, is. And, and it probably often is not a, a book freak. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. You can't be introverted <clears throat> yeah. to the extreme, which a lot of booksellers are, you know. Yeah. But the other, the flip side of that is that introverts do well with one person. Yes. Right. Yeah. When introverts are around a group of four, they think there's an intervention or right. something. And, uh, <laughs> but when they're with one person, that they feel really good. Yeah. You know, if they like people. Yeah. The the key is really whether you like people or not. It is also retail is street theater, right? Mm. So the people that work there can really act out in a positive way towards people that are strangers. Yes. Right. And that's fun. Yeah. And a lot of introverts are are actors. Yeah. Right. Too. Yes. Is there like a a buying event, a buying convention? I mean, is there a booksellers thing in at a place where you know other independent booksellers? Oh yeah, yeah. Or do they just come visit you and you meet them that way? Uh, both. So we see sales reps, and we're at a level or whatever where we see sales reps all the time. You know sure. how that is in business. So sales reps will go to. Um, businesses that do enough business with them to justify a sales rep coming. So that happens with us and always has. Then there are also national um, conventions. And then there's also the American Booksellers Association 
has what are called winter institutes where six or 700 booksellers from around the country gather. And those are not as business driven by the publishers as the other national one is. Mm -hmm. So it's really booksellers getting along and booksellers are crazily cooperative with other booksellers. Yeah. So just always recommending other ones, which is not true of most industries. No. Most industries you don't recommend somebody else's. Oh my God, my industry's crazy how insecure it is. It's like, it's, it's really rare to connect with, I mean, everybody's so nervous about their losing their business or something. Yeah. But part of it is you're producing your own thing. So, you know, at the publisher level, I'm sure there's greater competition, but at the bookseller level, you're selling the same kinds of things and you're so customer focused that you want the customers to get the books that are great. So you'll share all that information with other booksellers so that wherever their market is, and there isn't the same overlap because there isn't the national or international um, web oriented, you know, Mm -hmm. sales that will happen with a major brand. Do you have an online presence? Yes. And Do you sell got, books? Yes. And what's that been like? It went crazy over COVID. Oh my which God. Is, <laughs> I can't imagine. Everything did. But the amazing thing is it it is still now a significant part where it never was before. And is it it's a where is that located? The ABA, the American Booksellers Association, created the back end. Okay. So then Oh, you, interesting. So they created for all of the booksellers that are their members, which is twenty five hundred. Huh. They have that capability of online selling, right? Yeah. And then they can, it's all Drupal software. Um, let's geek out for a second. So it's a, no, it's, a, it's a Drupal software that allows for modification to tailor it to your style. We had a, a, a web page though, a web website in 91. Oh, wow. I mean, we were, well, I guess you were in Bay Area, Oakland, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but there weren't other bookstores that, ha- and we were one of the first bookstores to have a computerized inventory in 89. You know, wow. when you think back to that, but so creating your own website at that time was crazy. And I, I'm not anybody that from my store that hears me talking about web stuff or technical stuff just starts laughing, but, <laughs> but we were really into it and it looking beautiful, right? Cause mm-hmm. part of the thing that's tricky about the internet, we've adapted to it, but it's ugly. It's hideous. And so if you're from an artistic point of view, it's like, Oof, this is horrible. Why, why does at. it have to be horrible? I know. <laughs> the, the, it's it's all malleable. We can yeah. make it as beautiful as we want to and we don't want to. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. And in that, when you had that, did you did did you just use the publisher's um you know blurbs on it or did you actually write about books and things that you yeah, recommended? We did it like, all at really? the beginning, yeah. Wow. We did it all. And do you miss that part of it? Um no. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, in a way, yes. Yeah. I miss the that aesthetic aspect of it. That's mm-hmm. part of why Allison likes to open bookstores is each bookstore has looked completely different. Oh, that's nice. So- um, And look like um, where they are or, or more, I mean- look Yeah, like- as we imagine it, right? Because place is a place in a person, not, you know, it's an imaginal- it's an imaginal place. My husband is an architect and he's designed all, all of our stores. And yeah. that has been one of the most- uh, challenging for sure, but also one of the most rewarding things about our relationship and our marriage is to create things together yes. and to have those conversations about what it should be, could be, you know, what the possibilities are. I mean, I've, I've really, that's been a big part of our lives together. That whole process of the first bookstore was so full of questions, right? So many things you had to answer and consider and so many possibilities you did consider and didn't do Yeah, is very fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and you reduce the amount of choices you give yourself over time. Right. It's still fun. 
but uh, it's not as expansively interesting as it the first one. Yeah. I've read a quote from you that said, a bookstore is like a party, playing around with ideas and having fun. It's a counseling session and it's a street theater. And you can do meaningful work in a community that matters individual by individual. I love that quote. And I do think what you do is, um, is meaningful work, truly. Don't you feel that way? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think I'm one of those type of people that can only function that way. For example, I tried doing sales before working in a bookstore, you know, just as jobs that I picked up. I was horrible at it. (laughs) And the reason was because I was concerned about the people. You know, so I had lawn doctor, if you know what that is. Yeah. You measure people's lawns and then you tell them how much it's going to cost them every month to take care of it. Okay. Well, that's not a very interesting job. No. (laughs) And uh, It does sound sort of like geography, though, I have to say. It does. I was in school at the time. So I I would meet people and I'd talk with them and I'd explain it. And then it's up to them to choose. That's kind of the way I looked at it. Mm -hmm. Then I went out with the owner because it's a franchise. And I went out with the owner and he says, you didn't didn't work that situation. I'm like, what's to work? You know, they can afford it or they can't. You know, it's the way I look at it. But Mm -hmm. that's not hard selling, right? Yeah, it's that's manipulation. right? Right. And so I can't really do that. Right. So I don't really sell books because that book costs $3 more than another book, you know. It's because that book fits that person better. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I lasted literally a week at that lawn doctor <laughs> job. I quit. <laughs> it's not for me. So so through since the 80s, y'all brought five bookstores to five different communities. Yeah. What's the most rewarding part of doing that? Well, all the people being able to get those books. I mean, the other weird thing about these bookstores, and, and even more now, and I'm not sure why now, Every single day, I hear three to five people say, I'm so relieved that this bookstore is here. Yeah. I'm so glad that it is here. I'm so, that's, mm-hmm. it's saying something weird about the culture in a way. Absolutely. I mean, it, I'm glad to be appreciated in that right, way. Right. But it also is like, I'm, I'm sorry that you need this so much. Yeah. And I'm glad that we are here to do it, you know, yeah. but it's, it's a funny, funny thing, but it's extremely satisfying because you know that you're saving people's lives. And during COVID, it was oh, wow, crazy yeah. how how much it renewed. the. There were four of us working in this Brentwood store and yeah. how much it renewed our sense of commitment to what we're doing. Because there are some people, you know, like a couple who are 80 years old, that the only place they left the house for was the bookstore. Aww. And they would pick up the books outside because yeah. we put them out on the table. And, but otherwise they'd order food in, they, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What do you hope your legacy will be in the independent book world? Creativity, playfulness, uh, never undervalue the curiosity of the reading public, you know? And I do think it is, it's curiosity. Don't you think that that's the thing that keeps you young and keeps you vibrant as it's not, I mean, yes, reading is amazing, but it's really more about the curiosity of wanting to read or wanting to learn about new things you don't know about. I feel so alive for being 80 years old. Yes, yes, you look great. I need your plastic surgeon's (laughs) number. (laughs) So this is a this is a Brentwood Country Mart mini series. Will you tell me about when you first visited the Country Mart? When you first knew about it? I actually first, I think I first visited the Country Mart when we had a store in Malibu, and when Jim asked us to open a bookstore here, Mm -hmm. and we said no, (laughs) and. 
we said no repeatedly to him, not because it wasn't a great place to have a bookstore, because it is, but because there was another bookstore up the street uh. called Dutton's that was an institution. And so we didn't want to go in near them. Or, mm. But then Dutton's closed. And Allison said to me, Jim will probably be calling in a week or two. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. And he said, this is the last time I'm asking. Was it? A, did you know what space it was? Was it always one specific? Okay. Just no. the, the Mart in general. Yeah. And so I called up Doug Dutton and I said, are you closing because you're leaving the business or are you closing and then going to reopen somewhere else locally? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. And, and why so, do people close? They just can't do it anymore. It's just too, it's hard work. His, I think, was complicated with um, a landmark building that oh. the landlord wanted to change, and then um, and he's a friend of Jim's, so they had to do all these earthquake retrofits oh, wow. to the building, well, the I whole mean, building, yeah. and that they were the ground floor and had all the uh, retail places in okay. the ground floor. It's a really big bookstore, really yeah. wonderful bookstore. Huh. Once I was sure that Doug wasn't continuing to open a bookstore in the area or whatever. Then Alice and I came in and looked at it and everything. And we're, how excited were you? Pretty excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also, it, there's so much about this that I like. I, I'm driving up with uh, my manager today. I said to him, what I like about it, this is the geographer coming back, is that it's like some little section of a medieval city because of the winding yes. you know, and the and the cobbles. Yeah. And people are always getting lost in it, which yeah, I love. I love that too. It's I mean, so true. And it's so not manipulative like Caesars in, yes. in Las Vegas where you can't get out of that either. And there are no windows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just organic. Yeah. You know, that's an organic style. And then the barns and everything. And, oh. and you know, the horses used to come up here until like 1965 or something up 26th Street. I know. Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh, I love it so and much. And then I also have so many friends who grew up in this area who I knew in Berkeley and everything, and they would bike down to here. For ready to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so everybody talks about it. That yeah. it's been here since 48 or whatever yep. is very sweet. Yeah. And that it still has those services. Yes. Barbershop, yeah. shoe repair. And I think that's something about Jim's like brilliance in a way. And then also his his uh, sentimentality and yeah. his, his emotional commitment to certain kinds of experiences. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. He's a really sensitive person, actually. Yeah. And I think, and he loved his childhood. And I think he really wants to preserve a lot of that. Yes. And it's so unusual all over the country, all over the world. You know, it's just, it's rare. Yeah. It's really rare. I never asked you why diesel. Why why is it called diesel? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So we wanted it to be light and urban and mm -hmm. like that. And we were right by railroad tracks, mm -hmm. but we couldn't come up with a name because the street we were on was called Shell Mound, uh -huh. which is horrible. It's an Indian Shell Mound was there, and then oh they, my god, and yeah, then they put a shopping center on top. Oh of it. my lord, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, uh, and we couldn't think of another name for it that had. What we wanted. It had to be a word that we were willing to say for 50 years. <laughs> I was going to say, right? yeah, exactly. And so next door to us was a woman who had a dog, a pointer dog, mm -hmm. interestingly, <laughs> named Diesel. I love it. So she would call out Diesel and we'd go, well, we could call it Diesel. And we'd laugh and then we'd <laughs> try and think of other names. And we did it so many times. It's like, Diesel's fine. You know, <laughs> we'll do it. What did you wear to the prom? <laughs> oh, wow. We asked oh. this of all of our guests. Oh, and I'm I pretty sure. I really can't wait. Wait. Uh, 
for some people, that's a very memorable, in a positive way, event. Uh, it wasn't bad, but I'm pretty sure it was. So this is 1975. And where were you? Delaware. Living? Okay. I'm pretty sure it was a kind of a green that is just what? horrific. Green? Yeah, that's but, awesome. It, well, you could say so. Like pea, like pea green, or like emerald green. No, I don't think it was emerald green. Oh, uh, like uh, closer to pea green. <laughs> like puce? No, no, not definitely not puce. Okay, bright, bright. It had uh, citrus what? notes. No way. Yeah. So well, this is exciting. Now I have never heard this, and a hundred times of asking this question, I have never gotten this answer. This is exciting. Wait, you, yeah, but you're too young to have a. Uh, I'm 1975 prom. I was three, but... Yeah. Okay. In 1975, the color choices, influenced as they were by 60s psychedelia and the 70s, <laughs> the choices were all sort of amazing. Yeah. It was very colorful, yeah. which is well, good. Yes, it is. And I think. I have a... Okay. I mean, I'm wearing rainbow socks. Yeah, you look great. Well, Another important question, though, with the green suit, did you wear a light blue shirt? Which would be a nice combination. Oh, there was a it was a colored shirt. It had to be light blue. There's no way it was anything else. I, I, I mean, I, yellow maybe, but I I like your confidence. I think. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, have pictures of it? Uh, I'm sure I do somewhere. I'll try and find one and send it to you. I would really like to see um, it. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing was a little excruciating. <laughs> And I'm nothing against, I actually like, you know, being dressed up like that, but not like that probably. That was just a bad shade of green. But I bet it looked good on you. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think back then people probably were like, this is a nice color for your complexion. This will look nice on you. That's probably you yeah, know? the person that helped you're like, me. like, actually, it probably yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're making me a little sad that I rented that tuxedo. I know. You should have You should the have prom. bought it. I should it. have kept it. Yeah, yeah. That was an investment. It, it could have been a great investment yeah. for you. I do like shark skin suits a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, shiny. <laughs> I think it would be good. Yeah. yeah. John, I love this. Thank yeah. you so, Thanks. so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for it doing so it. Super fun. Thank yeah. you. Likewise. Yeah. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. Queen City Podcast Network.com.